All right, college baseball fans, welcome to another episode of the 11.7 podcast. We'll do a little midweek recap episode with the weekend series uh, preview that we're going to do. Sorry, I got distracted again. I'm looking at my notes right now. I got a lot of stuff on the paper. Man, we had some good things happen this midweek. Couple, uh, couple upsets. We have a team that's 22-0. and The Fairfield Stags won both games here today, so that's... I mean, dude, I was looking at their schedule. They have 12 games left. Like, they could easily go. I'm guessing. 34-0. Could you imagine 34-0 and in a season? Yep. I'm putting, and, like, and a 20% chance. Actually find happens. me a sport. Find me a sport that a team goes 34-0 and and everybody expects them to go 0-2 in a regional. Oh, they're going to be uh, two in barbecue. <laughs> no, I'm not saying they're going to be. I'm saying everyone can expect them to be. I would be surprised if they won a game in a regional. I, mean, I just think their schedule, their plan is so, so soft. But, I mean, they can't control it. They have COVID restrictions no, and things. No, exactly. Yeah. And anyway, so we don't want to spend too much time talking about the Stags. But, yeah, look out for Fairfield, 22-0 to start the year. Very impressive. Um, but kind of, you know, shine away from the whole SEC midweek thing. Like, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, Coastal Carolina, finally back on track. Um, they beat UNC. And uh, it was good to see them finally bounce back. We had them ranked so high in the mid-major poll all year, but we kind of look back and we're like, man, this team's not like clicking on all cylinders. So, and speaking, uh, speaking of coastal, they're on their way back. Um, pitchers are getting healthy again. There, and you, I don't know if you remember, like three or four guys had COVID in the beginning of the year. No, I remember. And that. if you remember last MLB season or even football season. Think of the guy that had COVID and how hard it was for them to come back and how long it took them to get going. Lamar Jackson, great example. I know this is a baseball podcast, but examples are examples. He played like shit for the first like three weeks after coming back from COVID. And he he said it was hard to recover. He felt sore. He felt tired in game after game. And it, he said it took him about a full month and a half, two months before he felt like him again. Yeah, and so I mean, think about those coastal guys, or not even just coastal, all the guys across the country who have had COVID. And if your best players get hit with COVID and a, a bunch of them at the same time, you're probably going to have a, a period of time where your team's just not right. Yeah, so you're just you're going looking, to like survival mode instead of thrive. You know? Like just stay afloat until everybody gets back, and then we can hopefully – get hot get rolling yeah. so i think the team that's I, it's be one of those things where like i look into my crystal ball and like i just expect coastal to get hot once again in the postseason make some noise they're not i mean they're going to be a if they make it to a regional which is not guaranteed yet but if they do they're going to probably be a three seed just because all the two seeds out there that i mean the acc is going to have like eight teams or nine teams in this thing tournament sec is going to have just as many bam Coastal's going to be a three seed, and they're going to be a dangerous one at that. I don't. Um, depending on how hot they get, they could either be a three or a four. They're at so just getting analytical here. They're at number seventy six in the RPI. They went up nine spot after beating North Carolina. So if they can string together three weeks of just incredible baseball, we could see them in the fifties, right on the fringe of an at large bid because. This year is really interesting. You you saw it when we put together our um, postseason projection. Yeah, saw how fifty and sixty RPI team are on the bubble because it used to be a lock. You know, a lock. No, dude, fifty well, and sixty. You were not even in the picture. 
Really? See, I've never really followed the RPI, so I, I don't even want to act smart here. No, but you remember, even when we were doing the projection, I was telling you, like, yo, like, you remember in years past, if you're like a 42 RPI, you're on the bubble because all the good teams were in the top. Right, RPI, that makes now sense. we have so many teams playing conference-only schedule or such light schedule that they're they're 8 and 10 with a 30 RPI because they haven't played many games or they're 15 and 2 playing conference only schedule and they're like eight RPI, like for example, some Northeast school. Yeah. But they have no business. They're not getting into a regional with a 10 and 10 record, but a wow. top 30 RPI. Really interesting. I never even thought about it like that, how it's like completely different this year than in the past. So, so wow. But um, Coastal, dude, Coastal's Coastal. got a big weekend this coming up, man. They play at Liberty. That's one of those big RPI boosters. They go in and win that series. Like they're going to be sitting in a much better position, but yeah, um, I mean, I'm expecting the, the chance. I mean, Coastal has a really good chance to get hot, play really good. They're gonna have to. They have to win a lot of games. They cannot have mistakes. They 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 basically used up all their free passes. Now yeah. they just got it. They're on. They're they're back against the wall. They used their hall pass. <laughs> yeah, they used a couple of them. Yeah, because I mean, if you look at their schedule, it's nasty, ugly losses. Mm. But I think Coastal can get to that 50, 60 range RPI and be in the picture because the Sun Belt is a favorable conference. We, you give yourself a chance to get in that large, you play well. So I think Coastal, if, if they all their players are back, everybody's ready to go, they have a chance. Right. No, and, that, and that's all they can ask for. Uh, so meanwhile, like I said, they're playing Liberty this weekend, which we'll preview here in a little bit. But Liberty just loses to Duke. They're, what are they, five and three now in the ACC? Five and two. Five and two in the ACC. But that's one of those teams we have ranked because we think they're really good. Now they have tough losses midweek. Uh, they actually ended up getting shut out, which uh, they were they at did, home too. But, but they were, but he, they, they, they was zero zero into the sixth. Yeah. Um, guy hit the guy, the same guy, um, Cummings that started again. Virginia Tech started again last night, so his second career start. Um, zero zero through the sixth. Guy hit a solo home run, blooper, walk error, and next thing you know, it was like four to nothing. So it was like. That game hit. You know how there's that tipping point in the game. Yeah, momentum it, shifter. Yeah, it just tips your way or tips the other way, and and it's over. So yeah. Liberty, I mean, big deal. Not a big deal. Right. And then so staying in like the whole mid-major spectrum, Charlotte had a nice comeback win against App State. App State jumped out to like a six to three lead late in the game. Charlotte ended up winning like ten to eight. So they offense came alive against App State's like terrible bullpen, which I had a feeling was going to happen because I was watching most of it. And, you know, App State just started throwing guys out there that were like upper 80s, like not locating at all. And Charlotte's too good offensively to like throw those guys multiple innings against. So that was, a, that was something else that caught my eye. But moving on to like the Power 5 stuff, Florida, another scare against a terrible Jacksonville team. Like, I don't know if like Jacksonville just plays better in the midweek or if Florida just is they, terrible. You know how it is. They get amped up to play Florida. Yeah, but man, that was another scare. Like Florida – just I can't express this enough. Like, I Dude, just, Jacksonville is seven and twenty-three. That's what I'm saying. Jacksonville sucks this year. They're not even a good team, and they're giving Florida a scare. Like that should never happen in the midweek. And speaking of SEC scares, like Tennessee Tech almost beat Tennessee. Tennessee had to walk them off. That was a little like like sleepwalking there from Tennessee. Big weekend against Vanderbilt. Coming back, off of, yeah, coming off Vandy. Like they're they're sleepwalking, and Tennessee Tech, who's not a very good team either, and they almost win. They almost won on the midweek. So that was uh, that was interesting. But then you have teams like Oklahoma State who just put up four touchdowns against Pine Bluff. Those poor Pine Bluff guys. They, Did you see today 
seven nothing in the first. Yeah, I mean it's just so bad. Like I understand that's big game for you know both teams. Like the the power team gets to play the reserves and pitch guys who may not always pitch, but it just comes to a point where it just gets so ugly and the talent is so lopsided. Like Oklahoma State would have had a better chance of playing against you know the best Oklahoma high school team that day. I mean I really do think that. Like, I think there's that big of a difference. You give maybe, like maybe it sounds awful to hear it out loud, but it might be true. And I think it is true, man. I think the best high school team in Oklahoma beats Pine Bluff like nine times out of ten. <laughs> because you think you think of it this way. A school like Pine Bluff or some of these other like low, low, low end school, they're getting guys that just love the game. They just want to keep playing. Yeah. They they might they just not be very put, talented. They just, just want to play D one. They just want to put D one in their in their bios on social media. <laughs> they just want to. I mean, I don't want to disrespect them like that, but but yeah, they they just want to. They love college baseball. They want to play Division one, and that was the only opportunity they got. Yeah, and, and I bet they had a blast. I mean, even though they got killed, they played at a really nice facility, like faced some really good guys. They, it, I mean, they probably look forward to it. Like, I, I don't blame them one bit, but man, back they to had back. No been, yeah. What's up with the back-to-back midweeks, though? Like, Well, usually sometimes you schedule a back-to-back two games and get it over with. So it's like – and you travel. It's kind of far to travel for one game. But not, regardless, yeah, regardless, 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 regardless. But, At the end of the day, they have no business being in the same field as Oklahoma I, oh, State or Arkansas. Or Arkansas. But, dude, the um, another SEC scare this midweek, I forgot to bring it up, but our boys at North Alabama, who has been on the bottom 10 list quite a bit, they scared Alabama, and that was not a good look for the SEC because people were talking about Alabama being really good and scrappy. Like We've seen them play good baseball this year, but North Alabama, they're, they're you know what's crazy. They're on the same tier, man. The bottom ten, like just they're lurking around that. And we're at that time of the year where SEC team, ACC team, most power five team, they don't give a shit about some of these midweek because they're so locked in on their conference races, their conference schedule. That well, you have to be. You have, you to. have to be like they. If, if you have to be, and so when you're when you come off a weekend, let's just for example, you play Ole Miss one weekend, and then now you've got LSU coming up. That game against Southwest Louisiana Tech State on that Tuesday, <laughs> you're just like, oh shit, I forgot we had a game today. Yeah, like you go to class that day. Like you don't even skip class. You actually go to like your lectures and stuff like that and do your work. Um, and you forget I, because you're so occupied with your your conference schedule. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, so, I, but um, anyways, and I, a couple other things that kind of struck my mind. There wasn't too much Louisville. exciting. Louisville, they take the take a state of Kentucky back after Kentucky beat them in a the midweek a couple weeks ago. They just dominated. Man, the bats are hot. Alex Benellis is on fire right now, looking like um, a top round draft pick. And then Georgia walks Dalton off Clemson. Rushing. Well. Oh, well, yeah, Dalton rushing too. He's, he's hot as can be. And then Georgia walks off Clemson. That was a good win for Georgia. Now, Georgia, dude, they're looking really good with a lot, of, like a very favorable schedule looking ahead. Like they're a team that's been slept on in the East all year. We've talked crap about it, or at least I have. I never thought they were very good, but like they're playing against either. Missouri in a three-game series here. Uh, and then I think they have like Auburn and like maybe Texas A&M left. Like they could win all three of those series and put themselves in position to be a legitimate two seed. I mean, we have them in our we have them in our projection 
um, which will break down a little bit. So Georgia, Georgia is right there. They have a chance to solidify themselves at the postseason. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I mean, midweek was kind of uh, not as exciting this year. Or sorry, not this year, but this week. Now, the coolest thing that happened in the midweek was, did you see the announcer uh, from the game? Yeah, Texas Ca- Tech. Texas Tech announcer gets a foul ball right back to him and sticks it like a catcher's. Dude, he stuck that thing. Like- yeah. And and so, like, I know exactly what he's feeling like because when I was doing, like, the Mercer Baseball ESPN3 broadcasting a couple, I guess, like, last month sometime, there was a couple foul balls where I was just praying, please come in here. I want to I catch one. Is the, window, catch one. is the window open at Mercer? Windows were, oh, yeah, windows were open. And it just never quite got there. So it was like a one in a billion chance that he got one waist high, arm extension, <laughs> and stuck it like a glove, was going viral on Twitter today. You guys definitely check out that video. That was the most exciting thing that happened in the midweek. Um, but anyway, so the way this episode is going to work, we just went ahead and recapped the midweek real quick. I know you guys are more interested in what's coming up this weekend. Plus, we have an excellent guest coming on here pretty soon. Uh, we just we actually just recorded with Patrick Wicklander, who we're gonna we're gonna post that video or that podcast probably on thursday Friday morning friday, probably friday morning we have to get some approval through uh, arkansas sid but he was our first arkansas guest and man i cannot express enough that was one of our better interviews you guys definitely gonna look forward to that i mean we talk some sec baseball we talk recruiting with him and we just talk about like his journey with diabetes uh he found out last year during quarantine that he was a type one diabetic and was that was a great story you guys yeah he was literally on the brinks of on the brinks of death like not even like not playing again. It was like, he was in the ICU, like battling for his life. So it was really cool to hear that interview. Uh, but for today's interview that we're going to attach into this episode, we have Ben Verlander, little brother to Justin Verlander. And he played. Oh yeah. We Ultim- haven't revealed it yet. Have no. We? Yeah. And so he's going to be on end doing our weekend pick him um, series or series pick him. And I mean, he, he was a stud at old dominion baseball. I believe he played a little bit of minor league ball as well. And so we're going to get to know him. We haven't done the interview yet. And but we're doing it tomorrow uh, morning. So whenever we post this tomorrow night, we will. These, uh, these two episodes will be co-joined, co-joined together. So we're very excited about that. And because uh, you know, Old Dominion has a huge series coming up against Charlotte, which they actually have back-to-back series against each other. Eight games. We've been hyping it up for about a month now. Both teams on that brink of like, uh, should they be ranked? Should they not be ranked? A lot of outlets have both of them ranked. We don't have either one of them ranked right now, just because we want to see how this series ends up. Yep. And, and so that one's going to be a fun one to preview with him. I know he's still kind of intact with Old Dominion Baseball. We've been hyping up Charlotte all year, thinking they're a really good Juco Bandit team. Now, some of the other weekend um, series that intrigue me, starting tomorrow night, speaking of Arkansas, they traveled to South Carolina. And South Carolina at home has been very, very good this year. They're kind of flying under the radar. Not as much so as Georgia, but, dude, Dimitri, like, to see South Carolina play against the number one team in the nation at home, that kind of smells a little bit like a potential upset, like maybe take the series. Do you agree or disagree? So let me ask you this. Is the South Carolina we saw in Austin long gone? I would hope so, man. Or I mean, We or, just haven't seen like the guys like Wes Clark and the whole offense. Like, I mean, they've been good. They've been winning series. Well, but- don't forget, they did sweep Florida. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, which team is going to show up? And that was at home. Maybe they just play better at home. Like, but that starts like Thursday, like when we, the day we release this episode. It, it's going to be started that night. It's uh, one of the two SEC series that are going to start Thursday, Friday, Saturday. 
The other one's LSU at Ole Miss. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But, yeah, man, I can Arkansas go on the road, short week, playing Thursday, and play at that hostile environment, uh, face that lineup that South Carolina brings? Like, it's one of those things where – We've seen Arkansas's pitchers kind of struggle, like locating early in the year. Like, are they still going to throw strikes this series? Are they going to handle adversity well? Like, it would. Be- I think. I think that series. So Arkansas's been playing so damn well lately. Well, yeah, they're going to have a number one team in the country. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like if they're going to have a series where they slip up because it's hard to go through a full SEC schedule and go perfect, two out of three know. or three. Well, I mean, we I saw this, we saw think, Arkansas on Sunday lose to Texas A and M, who's but a they bottom won the series. But they I won know, the series. I know, but like, I would say South Carolina is a lot better than Texas A and M. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, dude, it's hard to sweep. Like, if you win the first two, it's so hard to win the third one. Yeah. So I think I think this could be a week in the South Carolina steals too, and we'll find out. I think every opportunity, every chance, they're going to have every opportunity to do it. It's a it's up to South Carolina. The, the way it. I put it is like South Carolina is going to be two big hits away. Like, are they going to get the I, two yeah. hits or are they not going to get the big hits? Cause it's going to come to a point late in the, late in the game where like they need an extra base hit. Like is Andrew Eister going to do it? Is Wes Clark going to do it? Like who's going to step up for South Carolina and like, who's going to be able to get the last outs on the mound for South Carolina. But I mean, anyways, I'm getting myself hyped up about that, <laughs> but I mean, there's plenty of other series just kind of running down the list here and we'll preview most of these, but LSU are, or sorry, LSU Ole Miss plays Thursday night. And then um, obviously old dominion, Charlotte, Tennessee at Texas A&M. That's another series, dude. And I, I know we're staying in the sec here, but kind of feels like one of those letdown series for tech or for Tennessee. They travel to college station, which is a great college baseball atmosphere. Texas A&M, they tasted blood, man. They tasted blood against Arkansas on Sunday. Like, can they build that momentum off? and maybe sneak a game or two against t- Tennessee. A lot of people are not believing in Tennessee on social media, dude. I've been looking at some comments on college baseball posts, especially for like the preseason, I mean, I mean the postseason projections. People are like, Tennessee has one good series win against Florida, and that's it. <laughs> and, so. and, and, it's, and it's fair. They have every right to argue it and disagree, whatever. But based on what I've seen from Tennessee – and I, I'm, I think you're on the same page with me here. Based on what I've seen from Tennessee, they're good, man. They're legit. They have a bullpen. They have guys that can hit per power. They have guys that can hit for, for average. They have good starting pitching. They have a little home field advantage. They have the pieces to be a successful team. Yeah. And, and it's one of those where, like, they've been putting it together. But, like, have we seen the whole puzzle yet from Tennessee? Like, I'm in such a 50-50 territory with Tennessee where it's like, okay, are they playing their best baseball right now? Or, like, can they still play better? Because even if they're, like, not playing their best, like, they're, they're going to – They're playing pretty damn well right now. Yeah, like, but, like, is this the peak? Like, it's just one of those teams where they kind of snuck up on us so quickly. Like, we, before the season, we knew they were going to be good. Like, but they did lose two first-round draft picks in Alaric Solari and um, and Crochet. Like, like, were they going to bounce back? And, like, yeah, they did. They came out with a vengeance. Like, they won big games. Are they like, are they peaking or are they, like, still putting all the puzzle pieces together? Like, it's just one of those 50-50 territories for me. Um, but I, I kind of see that as, like, a way for Texas A&M. Sneak a series win at home. We'll see about that. Um, obviously, the, the last series we're going to talk about after we preview all of them is this Mississippi State Vanderbilt, which everybody's looking forward to. We're going to save that for last. Moving on, Texas, Oklahoma State. 
That's another one, man. Oklahoma State, they they got in, not embarrassed. They played really, really good baseball. They're in, they're in against, a hole right now. Yeah, the, but they got swept by TCU last week. And Texas, I don't want to say they're being overhyped. Like they've won 14 straight games very against a very, very soft schedule. I mean, everybody has them ranked like, like – not even ranked, but like has them projected as a national seed, a top eight national seed. And what, and they have, they're all well-deserved. All well-deserved. But like, are we a little too high on Texas as the college baseball world high on Texas? We, one of those, is it one of those times where it's like, there's such a traditional name and a powerhouse, like we're just rooting for them to be back or are they all the way back? No, dude, they're, they're freaking what 30 and like five or something. Yeah. And they lost three games opening weekend. I mean, Oklahoma State, like, but we, the thing is, like, is Oklahoma State going to continue to, like, lose series in the Big 12? Like, I know they just got swept by TCU, um, but they're, like, a legitimate, like, talented roster, great coaching staff. They're going to have to defend their home turf this week against Texas. And is that another series that, like, you could see an upset? I don't know. Like, I, I it's just so – it's so 50-50 for me. I think we'd learn more about Texas than Oklahoma State this weekend. See, I would disagree. I would say we would learn more about Oklahoma State this weekend than Texas. But we've already seen Oklahoma State play Vandy. We've already seen them play Texas Tech. We've already seen them play TCU. We're, I think, for and in they my haven't opinion, won any of those series though. But but can that's they my, win? That's, a but that's my point. We're gonna learn how good Texas is. We're gonna learn how good Texas can be because. If you beat Oklahoma State, good. That means you're a good team. On the same level them, as TCU and Texas Tech. Yeah, if, and if, you, if you lose to Oklahoma State, now you're looking at them saying, maybe they're not in that top 10 category. They're not in that top tier of teams. So I think, in my opinion, you can disagree with me all you want, which I, I love when people disagree with me. <laughs> but <laughs> I love it, dude. I don't know why. I just love when people say, no, you're wrong. Because I can come back. Anyway. I think you learn more about Texas this weekend. You learn where they measure. Are they a top 10 team? Are they a top? Because if they dominate Oklahoma State, you're like, damn, that's, that, that looks good. They If they battle, okay, Texas, good. But they're just, they're good. You know what I mean? It's not like, wow, they're amazing. If they lose the series, and depending on how they do it, if they lose mm-hmm. on a very tight, close walk-off heartbreaker, you're kind Typical. of, guess, you're still guessing. Yeah, you typically guessing. But if they lose the series, Oklahoma State just looks like the better team. It kind of gives you a measurement going forward. Hey, Texas is not what we thought they were yet. Yeah, I agree. Now, the thing with that series is it's going to come like everything's going to come down to Friday. Like whoever pulls off that Friday night win cuz you're going to have uh Ty Madden on the mound. If Oregon or sorry, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, if they go in and beat Ty Madden on Friday, like that could be a sloppy series for Texas because then, you know, you have to reply on or rely upon your two and three starters to get you two more games to win the series. Now, if they go out and shove time Madden shoves, like I expect them to Oklahoma state has their back against the wall, you know, getting swept by TCU and then losing game one against Texas at home. It's like, uh Oh boys, like we have to find a way to win these oh, next we'll two see. games. We'll see. Yeah. But um, I mean, there's some also really good series uh, in the ACC. The one that kind of, strikes my attention the most just because I think it's the most evenly matched series is Florida state, Georgia tech. It's at Georgia tech, Florida state's been bipolar this year, Georgia tech. You've seen their inexperienced show at times, but I mean, they both have top tier offenses. You know what I think about this series? It's like watching a stock 
that you bought at a price that was just too damn high. Okay. <laughs> so, so hear me out here. No, I like where you're stock, going with this. Keep going. Your stock was going up. You're, you got serious FOMO. You're like, dude, I want, I can't, I got, can't miss out on this. So you buy this stock and just right when you buy it, it starts going down. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we are with Florida state and Georgia tech. They're both trending down and they are like, who can stop falling down first. And I think this series is a determination of who wins the series gets to start trending back up and who keeps going further south. Yeah. So I think that's where we are because we had Georgia Tech top ten. We had we saw Florida State figured it out, and then they we bought them high because they were both hot. We bought into yeah. them, and then they started going down. And it's a matter of who can stop sliding and start yeah. going back up again. <laughs> and dude, I really think both of these teams are top five, maybe even top four teams in the ACC at times but then we see them sometimes and we're like this team looks like they can't beat like their mid-major state rival really give me like the like fuck man like what is like what is their issue like why why are they doing you know that's the that's the kind of vibe they give them georgia tech like you were good and then but you but at the same time ben when they were good they weren't that good yeah i agree they weren't that good. So I think that theory is a make it or break it for both teams creating a new trend or a new winning streak, if you will. Um, so we'll see about that one. How about, so going, moving on, as we're making our way across, I guess, the, the country, Pac-12 baseball, UCLA at Oregon. I think that is a very big series for two different reasons. One for Oregon to continue to cement themselves in the top of the Pac-12 to win a freaking Pac-12 title I hope this year. they win this series, not only because I hate UCLA, but also because we have them as the number three national seed in our projections. We're buying – we bought Oregon low. I, I've been doubting them all year just because I think Oregon State but, for some reason is better. But, like, they have the path to get to that, like, top five overall national seed. And at the same time, UCLA is playing like we feel like they're playing the worst baseball ever, and they're only what a game out of first place in That's the Pac 12. It's so stupid. They're like, just sandbagging it all year, man. They're just like, sandbagging like, it. So I could very easily see UCLA win this series and then just start their run to another Pac 12 title. And everyone's and it, like, oh, it UCLA would make me frauds. throw up. It'd make me throw up, dude. But Oregon rakes, dude. I've been telling you from the very beginning. You remember when I told you that Oregon can hit and they showed it. So I really hope that if the Pac-12 wants to have a legitimate contender this year in terms of a national seed, they need Oregon to do well. Arizona had their chance. They they fumbled a little bit. UCLA, they just don't have the momentum. UCLA has had so many chances. So I think Oregon is the Pac-12 best chance to be a legitimate top five team in the country. I would hope so, man. And I like just I look at the rest of their schedule and I'm like, dude, they have the opportunity to put it all together. Now, remind me again, I don't remember if the Pac 12 is doing the tournament this year or not, or if they're moving it no. to next season. No. I know they're, they they their, haven't had their commissioner one. retired or he resi- or he put in his retirement. He is leaving this summer. And I think they're changing postseason format going forward. That's what it is. Okay. I didn't remember if it was this year because, like, last year and this year is just blended together. Yeah. I, I mean, I would like to see. I think it's I mean, a regular season title this year. I think everybody would want to see a Pac 12 conference tournament. And, hey, like, if you're in at large, if you're a bubble team, you want Oregon to win. Yeah, you just want them to win the Pac 12 automatic bid. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, not really. I mean, they're going to have four or five teams in it. Yeah, but that just takes up one like, less spot. Oregon, Stanford, UCLA. Okay. Um, Oregon State. I, I take that back. As long as one of those three-ish four teams win it, you're fine. But if Oregon can't hurt you. If they win the Pac-12 title, it can't hurt you. Because now you have a chance to compete with maybe Arizona State or somebody like that. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. But anyway, so the West Coast, some good baseball going out there. Now, going back to mid-majors, uh, there's another series that kind of really strikes my attention not because of like what they're doing now, but because of what we know they're capable of. It's Indiana State at Dallas Baptist. You know, Battle of Missouri Valley, I would call them rivals over the last five years or so. Both have had really, really good teams. Both have had success in the postseason. Now, Dallas Baptist, we were talking about before the show, before we started recording, their RPI is like in the triple digits, right? It's like 120, 125. Yeah, they, they, I mean – People like they're they're not in a position to be in a regional. If but like we I were put picking them, today, yeah, but I put them in the same category as Coastal as far as like. No, they're too far gone though, Ben. No, Coastal, they're not. It, like dude. I would, but Dallas Baptist, like they can put it together like Coastal. Like you're not gaining, you're not gaining sixty RPI points in three weeks, dude. It's not happening, dude. They, but if it's you not had, happening, but listen, if you put like who, if you put your life on the line right now. Who's winning the Missouri Valley? Who are you taking? Indiana State. But we're going to find out this weekend. Yeah, but I think Indiana State is the best team in the I know Missouri Valley. Yeah, I, I see why you're saying that. But I'm just saying, like, Dallas Baptist at home, don't be surprised if they sweep. And they just say, boys, we're here. I mean, dude, talent-wise. the same Indiana State team. Wise, this is the same Indiana State team that won, like, 18 of 20 on the road, split a four-game series with Tennessee, beat Pitt in Florida, and – their winning game and Dallas Baptist lost a home series against Gonzaga. They lost. I mean, dude, I, I don't have their schedule in front of me, which I will have in about two seconds. Um, Dallas Baptist don't. Yeah. Like they're, they're 138 in the RPI. They're not getting into to the 60s and 50. It's and not I, happening. Ben, it's not happening. It's literally not happening. They, they can get into the top 100. Top who do they 80. have left? Who do they have left on their schedule? Okay. They have Indiana State, Evansville, Illinois State, Bradley, and Southern Illinois. One team has a top 50 RPI on the rest of their schedule, and that's this weekend. Evansville, 153. Illinois State, 117. Bradley, 63. Southern Illinois, 103. They cannot get their RPI good enough for an at-large bid. They have to win the tournament. They have to what win if the they tournament. Come, what if they come in second in the tournament? They will not make a regional. So you think only Missouri Valley gets one team? I mean, if you're if you're if we're going off of today and what could possibly happen, yeah, because you there. I mean, there are the second best RPI in that league is Bradley, a sixty-three, Southern Illinois, one hundred and three. I mean, Ben, you cannot have a sub 70, 60 RPI and get in. And this year, you have a chance to get you know 50s and 60s but no it's looking like indiana state is their one chance i i don't know man i'm gonna disagree on you that with that but i don't have the facts in front of but me how, so. but how how let me ask you this how are you going to disagree with that when you know the committee cares about the rpi you also know that i'm the most anti-rpi guy but, out but, there. But, but, but we don't make the decision we should make we like the RPI. decisions we should they should give <laughs> but, us the decisions yeah but but seriously put your rpi whatever your issue with RPI, put it to the side. 
committee is not going to take an 80 RPI Dallas Bath to. You know that. I don't, dude. We saw them take TCU two years ago, and their RPI was way out of sorts. 50. It was 54. I remember. Okay. Well, Mercer, we got we had a 42 RPI and we didn't get in. But the difference between Mercer and and Dallas Baptist, you you're gonna tell me Mercer is gonna beat Dallas Baptist? Use your eyeballs, <laughs> dude. The committee doesn't give a fuck about what your your jersey is. They care if you're in the SEC and ACC and stuff like that. But your RPI is what matters. And if you don't have an RPI in the top 60, you're not getting in. It's the RPI is whack. It's but, whack. But, but, but how are you going to hate on the RPI? It's, this it's this offseason, this offseason, I'm coming up with a new metric. Please do it. It's, it I bet I bet it's awful. It's awful and it's terrible and it's going to be the worst metric I've ever seen. Nope. I'm going to put everything in there. Ended. This is if I had to if I had to fix this metric, Friday night games would matter more. Midweek games would not matter much at all. Sunday games wouldn't matter very much. Saturday games would matter a okay. little bit. Using that, your logic, a mid-major will never make another regional. Good. Get them all out of there. <laughs> I'm kidding. I think, I think your bias is showing, Ben. I'm kidding. You know I'm the biggest <laughs> mid-major I supporter. Think, I think your power five bias is showing. I'm the biggest mid-major supporter <laughs> out there. No, dude. But, like, shouldn't the RPI consider more, like, Friday night games versus I Sunday? think it should consider series win. And I think it should consider – losses against other good teams which i think it does pretty well don't get me wrong rpi's got a lot of flaws and it should can, they should be working on it non-stop to make it perfect as yeah. each year we move along does the rpi develop like is it like a moving metric that like gets fixed every year or um, is it just one thing that some guy made up like 30 years ago no they've adjusted because okay. northern schools they've adjusted for northern schools and that's why we're kind of seeing what we're seeing right now because it kind of backfired in terms of because they were trying to help Northern schools get a more favorable share of the RPI in terms of getting regional bids as, as an at-large. So it weighted certain some things more than it should have, and it's backfiring in other examples. I don't know the all the details to Oh, you want to know something but, I thought of that I would really like to see? A baseball NIT tournament. Dude, I mean, I know, I know. I think that sounds awesome. I think that would be sick. But at the same time, baseball has summer ball. Guys go play ball in the summer. Yeah. So you're now you're looking at, do I want to go play summer ball or do I want to sit three more weeks and play in some NIT tournament? You know, yeah, yeah. I think the NIT would be sick because then you're like, okay, I'll just play school ball for three more weeks instead of go play summer ball. So I'd rather play in the NIT yeah. with my boys but for three more weeks. But some guys, I see what you're saying, would rather go play summer ball in like the Cape or the Northwoods yeah. or wherever. So, so now you're looking at maybe schools losing guys to go play in the Cape. And then it just, it just waters everything. It ruins something. It does. All right. So let's let's preview this last series here before we uh, kick it over to the Ben Verlander episode or interview. Mississippi State at Vanderbilt. It's what we've been looking forward to for a long, long time. Like we've had matchups like with Arkansas and Ole Miss and uh, Tennessee and South Carolina has been in the conversation, but this is the one matchup where, I mean, don't, no, don't get me wrong. I'm big Arkansas believer. I'm a big, uh, just a big SEC believer that I think every team is talented. It's just like when you catch this team, but as far as like both of these programs, the success they've had, the Omaha runs they've had, 
finally we get to see Mississippi State on the road against um, – well, I don't even want to say that because we've seen them on the road before, but Mississippi State going to Vanderbilt. Wait, think about it. Have we really seen them on the road road? They were at home against Arkansas and they were at home against Ole Miss. This is our first big true road test. Dang. I mean, they played at LSU, but yeah. and they played at Auburn. So, but those are like now that we see, maybe those aren't real contenders, real road test. This right. is their first big road series away from the dude. And like, dude, if you put it in like an MLB scout standpoint, like this series, oh my god, man! Like you have so many guys uh, just on the pitching side. How many pitchers, dude? Like the pitchers, like I think most of these guys could step in in the next two years in MLB and like be good, good pitchers. Like this is the cream of the crop. You got Vanderbilt and their starting rotation. And then you got Mississippi state and like, they have great starters too, but they're known mostly for the relievers, the guys that can get big outs at the end of the game, which like Vanderbilt we've seen struggle at the end of the game, especially against Tennessee. Like the relief pitchers weren't as efficient. Um, so what do you think? I think what I do you think, think in this series? Like, I think this series comes down to the end of the game because um, Lighter and Kumar, they had some tough week. They had, I mean, Kumar bounced back and dominated. Lighter had a little back second weekend of kind of like giving up a couple home runs. He, for the most part, he had a great outing. Yeah. So this weekend, I think it's going to be a battle of the bullpen. Who wins the game in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning? Because- I, see, I think it's going to be a battle of like offense. I, because oh, it could be so long, low scoring, in my opinion. Yeah, but like at the time, you know, like when things are going well for a college baseball team, the offense is what like drives, like it helps you win the game because like you can put up a crooked number and just deflate the other team. Like if Mississippi State goes out against Kumar and like let's say the second or third inning puts up a four spot, like that's I don't think that's happening. Um, but it could. We've seen it. We see Georgia do it. You know? Yeah, but but what I'm it's saying, that's what lady. I was saying before. Kumar and Leiter have kind of had their bad outings already in the last two weeks. I think this weekend they shove and it comes down to the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning who wins all three games because you've got to look at on the flip side. Mississippi State's starting staff is pretty good. Yeah. Their bullpen is even better. I think – I th- honestly, man, I really do think this game comes down to the late – inning every single game I, similar, so I, similar to Tennessee series yeah well like what I think it is what's going to come down to is like offensively like free passes like taking walks hit by pitches and errors like there's going to be one team that I think is going to make more like way more free passes than the other and like obviously that, no right. like way more no no like, oh, oh okay more. okay like I think one team is going to struggle they shouldn't struggle defensively it's on a turf field but I'm saying like I think it's going to come down to the free pass. Like if I had to pinpoint one thing where one team can get a huge advantage, it's like, are they working walks? Are they getting hit by pitches? Are they, you know, maybe stealing bases too? That's a free pass. Like, can you get an extra base? And when I, when I look at it, like the more I look at the free passes, I like the, I like Mississippi state's chances, dude. Like I think they take advantage more of free. They, passes. they work. They're way better. I think at the plate in terms yeah. of working counts and being tough out or productive outs, whether yeah. it's, Two outs, nobody on you work an eight pitch at bat. Like Vanderbilt has play. a little bit of like like slugger swag to him this year. Like where they're kind of sitting back hitting the home run, which we haven't seen much in the past. But like they have some real dudes with real power. But like, can they manufacture runs by working counts, working walks? 
um, you know, taking the extra base on balls in the dirt. That's where I think this series gets won, man. And that's why, like, my my heart says, you know, Vanderbilt's going to win, like, no doubt about it. Like, I think they're the overall the superior team. But my brain is just saying, like, there's something about this Mississippi State team where they're going to give them hell all weekend on the bases. They're going to play good defense. The bullpen's going to be lights out. I don't you know, know what's funny? You know what's funny? Mississippi State had been more of a big inning team this year. They don't score like one run every inning. It's they score numbers, in bunches. Yeah. They score, they'll go five shutout, and then they'll put up four. Mm-hmm. And then that ball game. Lannison comes in ball game. That's kind of been Mississippi State this year. They put up a crooked number. Um, and Vanderbilt, for the most part, has been pretty good about limiting those. I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of, you know, their – their number giving up their what or their earned run averages in like first five or last four. But I think you're right. This, this theory comes down to who makes mistakes, but that goes back to what I was saying before. It's going to be a close game until the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning. And one, it's just going to matter of who bullpen is better. And dude, I know, I know you're saying that. And like, I agree with you, but something that just tells me this series is going to be one in the first four innings. Like some team is going to jump out to like, they're going to get a crooked number in like the second, maybe even the first inning, like a four spot. And the other team is just going to be deflated. And like, I don't know, man. I just think like if you can score early um, and deflate the other team, we saw it with Vanderbilt against Georgia. Uh, We saw it like really against Vanderbilt when they played Tennessee on Sunday, like they just put, they kept putting up crooked numbers early in the game. And like Tennessee was just out of gas. So let me, let me, this is my last thing on FC baseball in, in this series. Do you remember what I told you about the whole Arkansas has the advantage offensively? Yeah. Vanderbilt has the off- advantage offensively in yeah. this series too. It's going to be very similar. Miss, like Vandy is going to be the better offensive team. It's a matter of can Mississippi State shut them down and get the ball to Landon Sim with a lead? Yeah, that's what this did because they couldn't do it against Arkansas. They got to get Landon Sims the ball with a lead, whether it's Friday night or Sunday or Saturday. How much does home field advantage play in this series to you? Because I don't look at Vanderbilt Vanderbilt plays well at home, but it's not like a it's not like a oh shit we're We're going to Vandy. Yeah, like you got the Whistler to worry about, and that's about it, right? Yeah, the Whistler. Like they don't. I mean, they just. Yeah, you're you're not going into bandy. So let me put, let me frame the question this way: Like, does home field advantage? Like, does Mississippi State have a problem playing play away on the from road? Their, that no, yeah, I think Mississippi State has more of an issue with playing away from their fans yeah. rather than playing in front of someone else's rowdy fans. If you, if you get what I'm saying. Now, there's a chance that there's more Mississippi State fans there than Vanderbilt. I would not be surprised. I would not be And, surprised. like, that's no knock on Vanderbilt. They have a great, like, fan base and everything. But Yeah, no, pure, they really don't, though. But pure number-wise, like, I could see Mississippi State traveling up. I'm sure it's, like, three – you know yeah, how good but, we are yeah, with but, geogra- yeah, but, geography. But I don't know with their – I think Knox or Nashville still have limitation and Vandy have, on their crowd. It's only, like, 25%. Oh, yeah, we saw Tim Corbin's quote, like, hey, COVID doesn't exist in Knoxville. Why does it exist in Nashville? Yeah, so we'll see, but – I mean, we'll see on that. Um, well, we're going to make our picks here for the weekend series. So the five series that we have, um, it's going to be Old Dominion, I Charlotte. we're making our picks with Verlander. Yeah, and no, I'm just I'm, – I'm leading it up. Yeah, so oh. like – so the five that we're going to do with Verlander is Old Dominion, Charlotte, Mississippi State, Vandy, UCLA, Oregon, 
Coastal versus Liberty, and Florida State versus Georgia Tech. So those are going to be the five series. You guys listen to this interview with Verlander, um, little brother of Justin, but still a very successful college career, still very like invested in the game of baseball. And uh, we're pumped. Fox Sports, I think. Yeah, and we're pumped to have him on. We're going to talk about his sister-in-law, my cousin, Kate Upton. Uh, maybe, maybe we're not related, but I don't know. Same last name. But no, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk strictly baseball, like kind of his career path. Old Dominion. Old Dominion, like how, you know, what he thinks about that team. Because they're, they're very intriguing to me. Old Dominion and Charlotte both. And I know we're, we're going to get into it with him. We haven't done the interview yet, but we expect it to be a good one. Excited to meet him. And uh, he's going to do a little weekend series pick him with us and uh, kind of keep that tradition of the guest whooping our butts every week. But whatever. Yeah, it's time to – we've kind of been – close but i think the last few weeks our guests have been better i'm i'm picking last this week you pick first i pick la- i pick first every week and i get screwed nah. up you guys just oh, fade I have me. To go, i have to go check the tape you guys go fade me man that's all you do right, anyways you guys i hope you guys enjoy um stay tuned um for the interview and enjoy another great weekend of college baseball well, let's roll All right, college baseball fans, we have another really, really cool guest on the show. I'm super excited to have him on. We have Ben Verlander, former Old Dominion Monarch, absolute stud, still in the game of college, or sorry, not in the game of college baseball, but still in the baseball realm of things, working for Fox Sports. Um, He's got his own podcast called Flipping Bats with Ben Verlander, Um, MLB analyst for Fox Sports. Dude, thanks for having, or thanks for coming on. We're talking a little Old Dominion baseball and kind of your playing days there and uh we'll see what where it ends up taking us we never know with our conversations <laughs> of course man thanks for having me guys yeah dude thanks for uh taking time out of your day so you know i want to go ahead and get started um playing at old dominion back in what was it 2011 ish 2010 yep yep yeah. i got there in, in 2010 what kind of changes have you seen the program go through from back then to now like are there facility upgrades um, you know, maybe even just as like uniform stuff, like what's going on, what's different from when you played today? Yeah. So when I first, when I first got there, I wasn't recruited by, uh, coach Fenwood who is now there. Um, so my, my freshman year, uh, we had a, a totally different coaching staff. It's actually funny. My, my freshman year, we ended up finishing second in the conference and having a great, um, you know, a great postseason run and our head coach won. Uh, then at the time it was, we were in the CAA, not Conference USA. So uh, he ended up winning coach of the year for the CAA and got fired. Oh my, <laughs> no. Getting fired. No way. Um, co- um, yeah, Wood, Wood Seelig came over from Western Kentucky as our AD and then uh, brought in Coach Fenwood. So, so my sophomore year was my first year with Coach Fenwood, who's now still there. And, and it all started then. Um, you know, he kind of laid the groundwork for what the foundation, uh, for what the organization was going to look like and how practice was going to go. And it was kind of a total overhaul of everything. So to be there from the beginning and to see where the program is now, um, you know, it, it, it's in a really cool spot. But, yeah, definitely, definitely a big difference from my first year uh, to then getting there with, with Finney. Yeah. And so um, what I was going to ask was, like, with um... – Oh my God, I just blanked on my question. Um, talking about Old Dominion, uh, 
Dimitri, go ahead. I literally just blinked, and I, I don't know. Like, how, you gonna, how are you going to say I forget? Oh, it's oh, your oh, I know what I was going to ask. Oh, my God. It came right back to me. So, like, was um, was Old Dominion, like, the school you always wanted to go to? Like, were there other schools recruiting you, or did you go there just to follow your brother's footsteps? Like, I know you're from Virginia, so talk to us about, like, the whole recruiting process. Yeah, so I signed pretty early, and, you know, like, as soon as signing day came around, I, I signed, and ODU was one of the first – one of the programs that allowed me to do both at the D1 okay. level, I wanted to pitch and I wanted to hit. And they were very vocal about wanting me to come there and do just that. I had, you know, I was talking to some other programs that weren't exactly on board with that. Um, I think they just, you know, wanted me to come and pitch and assumed that I would blossom into a 103 mile an hour arm. Um, and that, <laughs> yeah. that just wasn't ever going to be me. And, and ODU allowed me to do both. And um, so, yeah, it, it was kind of a little combination. You know, I, I've always been weary of, I don't want to follow in my brother's footsteps per se. I've been weary about that, but it was also, you know, like I, I knew the program, I knew Norfolk, I knew, the area and you know i got to know the coaching staff so it's kind of like the perfect storm for me now how far is that from your hometown right right about two hours two hours and and we couldn't help but notice uh dimitri what was his high school's name again <laughs> we oh my god it. dude what was it, it when was, i was uh, looking the other night Goochland or something gooch, goochland, baby the gooch <laughs> like like how in the hell did you guys just have the word gooch on your jersey <laughs> So it's say Goochland, but I, I never knew it was a thing until I got to college because I'm born and raised there. So I get to college and everybody's like, what does that shirt say? And people were like paying me a hundred bucks to buy my Goochland baseball shirt off of me. Dude, I mean, that's like, a special name, man. I was like, I was just sitting there thinking like, who the hell signed off? Hey, let's name our let's name our city Goochland. I don't know if the word existed when they created the city or whatever. It probably wasn't a slang term back then. But imagine a baseball jersey that says Gooch. People would like take that as a collectible. Like, yeah. like who the hell makes that? I mean, if you really want to get I, I do being from there, I do know the history of it. And it was founded by a guy named Sir William Gooch. Probably so like in the 1700s. Like yeah, probably like when Jankstown was getting founded. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you. So, as you, like, talking more baseball-specific, your brother had his own career. He's his own player. When you were, you know, growing up, high school, college, were you – did you ever feel like a rebel mindset where you just like, I don't want to be like my brother. I want to just be my own player. And did you have guys that just kind of, like, uh, maybe unintentionally, maybe they didn't mean to do it, but they tr they tried to visualize your brother inside of you. And you're just like, that's not who I am. Yeah, I, I think naturally that is going to come from like coaches and, and people. And, you know, I was always facing, um, you know, it, it even started in like travel ball when I was like 12. And I get on the mound and I, I don't even know what you're throwing when you're 12, what, like <laughs> 70. So I don't know. And like guys on the other team would be like, Oh, he's clearly not his brother. He's only throwing 70. And I'm like, I'm 12. <laughs> um, but you know, I think it was, it was always expected. And, you know, it got to a point. I remember I, I made uh, the all-star team one time in like little league and I, I wore, uh, you could pick your number and I picked number 35. And I remember my brother saying to me, you know, I, I, I'm appreciative of that, but I want you to be your own person and, and your own player and have your own thing. And, and I kind of took that with me. And, uh, you know, it came time um, in college when, you know, when I went to pitch and hit going into, I, I was doing 
both very average and there's nothing wrong with being a good pitcher and a good hitter at the D1 level as an average um, with, at all. Well, yeah. I was going to say with 11.7 scholarship, a two-way player is like astronomically val- valuable. Yeah. I don't know if people understand that. Yeah. So, so then, um, you know, it was actually the summer of my sophomore year, I went up to Detroit and was just hitting on the field at Comerica and talking to the hitting coach. And we kind of changed up my swing. And I went back to ODU and my head coach, Fenwood, and I, I credit a lot of my professional career to, to Finney at ODU. And he basically said, look, you're not going to be able to get drafted as both. You need, you need to pick one. And he's like, I'm, I'm never going to tell um, a Verlander to stop pitching, but if you want my opinion, I have one. Um, and I, I wanted to play every day. And a lot of it is because I thought I was a better hitter. But also, I wanted to have my own career path, and 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 so I ended up becoming a, a full-time hitter going into my junior year, and, and became an All-American. So it was kind of a, yeah. a good decision, I guess. Oh yeah, I was looking at your stats just a second ago, and I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I came a little unprepared to this interview, but yeah, it seemed like after that sophomore year, like things just clicked for you. And what do you think it was just because you were focusing on it full-time rather than trying to split fifty-fifty? Yeah, I, I also think like you know, I was. Um, for lack of a better term, like a late bloomer growing. Um, I went into college at 6'3", 165, and ended up, you know, my junior year, I was 6'4", 190, 195. So I think a little bit of a combination of just growing and evolving and also um, like putting in the work to, to one thing. You know, it, it becomes hard to go into practice and you know the pitchers and the hitters all split up i mean you guys know it becomes practice is very segregated and it's like well where do i go okay i'll go with the pitchers (laughs) here and then when we take bp i'll run to take bp and just to be able to focus on on one was was huge for me no yeah yeah, no doubt and like so kind of going back to like the travel ball days this was one question i actually had written down so like not a lot of people know this but there's like some very very good talent in the virginia area people always think you know, Florida, California, Texas, even like Georgia. But, you know, you look at like MLB All-Stars, you'll see two or three from Virginia, like with like the Upton brothers and um, David Wright. Um, Like who were some of the players you grew up playing against that maybe ended up making it to the major leagues or really good college or pro players? Yeah, so I ended up, um, one, yeah, yes, playing baseball in that area. The the 757, like the Tidewater area, breeds some of the best talent like of in every sport, it's incredible some of the talent that that area has produced. What, what is Tidewater? Um, what is that? Virginia Beach? Isn't that's that like where, Virginia like Beach. Vick and all them are from Hampton Roads. Yes, Michael Vick, Allen Iverson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the list goes on and on and on. What do they? What do um, they call that area? Like the Peninsula or something? That yeah, I mean it's it's the Tidewater region, but okay. it's Virginia. It just encompasses a few different places. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was always growing up playing travel ball against them. I played. Um, but it's like a high school all-star game down in that area. And the, the talent is unreal. More towards me, I, I grew up playing with uh, Russell Wilson, actually. We were on the same travel ball team. How good was for, he? Was he just a freak a athlete? Time. Yeah, he was just a freak. Um, <laughs> so we actually grew up pretty close. And um, so he's probably one. He didn't obviously end up having the baseball career. I mean, shoot, he played pro baseball, but yeah. um, ended up having a great career. And there, there's been a couple guys that have been um, like some big leaguers from the area. I don't know if you know who Deck McGuire is. Deck actually played Deck, at Georgia Tech. Georgia might... Tech, yeah. 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 So, what's he, uh, what's Deck, he doing now? Is he, he's retired, uh, I, right? I, yeah. Yeah, he's done. 
Uh, I know he. Um, I know he went over to Japan yep. for a little while, but but I think he's done. He has a, a wife and and kids, and I, I don't think he he still plays anymore. But you know, definitely some some crazy talent in the area for sure. Yeah. Dude, bear with the team from Virginia. So when I play, I when I was playing travel ball, I played for an organization called Team Georgia Baseball Academy. Um, and we used to have a, I guess it was like a rivalry with the Richmond Braves. Yeah, there were some Braves. And dude, it was always like a two-one game, one nothing, three-two, and like perfect <laughs> game tournaments and stuff like that. And we were like, dude, the Richmond Braves are so, like they're so good. Like we would always have like dog fights with them. Yeah, and, yeah, that um, was like the premier. That was like the premier travel ball team like in the area. Yeah, that was so, awesome. Yeah. So, um, so you do a little bit of Twitch streaming, and uh, you're actually our second Twitch streamer that we've interviewed this year, uh, Braden Webb from South Carolina. He's playing some pro ball right now. He's a big Twitch streamer. So, like, uh, we've already talked about before the show that, you know, the new MLB of the show came out. What kind of tips can you give our listeners? Because we have a ton of players and, you know, a bunch of other, like, college baseball fans that play MLB of the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, one, the, the new game that just came out is awesome. But, you know, I just think – I. I don't know, man. I, I went through, I, I've always played the show. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I actually started streaming last year, like right towards the beginning of, of quarantine. Um, and my roommate at the time was basically like, dude, you're really good at the game. You have like a good personality to stream. You should just do it. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. And then I started doing it and like just loved it and became like, I, I just got better and better at the game as I watched other streamers and saw what they did and like saw the view they hit on and saw like I just picked up so many things um, and then like streaming it every day I'm obviously then playing the game every day and it's yeah, like you know as with anything if you do it every day you're gonna get better and it, my my twitch bio now says um, way better at MLB the show than I was in real life <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that's funny I you bring it up because like before the show Dimitri sorry to cut you off but I'm trying to brag on both of you so uh, ben, you were top 50 in the world in MLB The Show last year, and Dimitri claims to be top 250, which I believe because he whooped my ass one time. And uh, so <laughs> we have to try to set something up on a I Twitch think, I was about to say, I think it's time because I will gladly put money on it because I don't lose. I Like, I don't lose. <laughs> I mean, we have to I see mean, this count, happen. Count me in. And so um, your Twitch your Twitch name is just uh, Ben Verlander. Just search it and you should find it up. But, yeah, he's a uh, – I'm gonna have to check it out sometime. I'm a big fan of MLB The Show. Yeah, but... you'll have to give me your uh, give me your PSN like whenever we finish up. Cool. Yeah, and for sure. We'll definitely yeah. have to play. It'll be a fun time. But so something, um, so something that uh, you know, we're we're gonna do here a little bit later in the show. Uh, I don't know if we've told you the series yet, but we do a celebrity or not celebrity, but um, like guest weekend pick 'em series. The way it works is like you have to pick the winner of each series, um, best two out of three or three out of four. Uh, depending on what kind of series they're playing. So the five series, just to give you about like five to 10 minutes to think about it. Um, Florida State at Georgia Tech, Coastal Carolina at Liberty. No, UCLA. Liberty oh, is it, is it at Coastal. It's at Coastal. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm, I have I'm it, telling you it's at Coastal. I have it written down as at Liberty, but I mean, that's just part of uh, our unprofessionalism. We just... I'm just here to tell you on record, it's Liberty at Coastal. Li that's what I just said. You said at Liberty. Oh, wait. I don't know what I'm saying. Facts over feelings, dude. <laughs> Anyways, so Coastal and Liberty are playing against each other. Who knows where they're playing? UCLA at, at Oregon. Is UCLA at Oregon? Is that right? Yep. 
Okay. And then Mississippi State at Vanderbilt. And then we're doing Old Dominion at Charlotte. And that's a four-game series. So you have the option to pick split if you want, 2-2 split. Um, and we actually <laughs> just got news here today that they're playing a four-game uh, four series, two doubleheaders, doubleheader on Friday, doubleheader on Sunday. So okay. I guess weather's supposed to be bad Saturday. But we'll do All that right. here in a little bit. Um, so going back uh, – I don't know if you were done, Ben, but no, people, done. so people accuse me on Twitter all the time of cutting him off, and they say I'm like super disrespectful or whatever, and I'm just like, <laughs> Dude, I don't care. Respect me. <laughs> sometimes you know how sometimes you have something to say. It Dude, just those are just wait. those are all my burner accounts, Dimitri. I'm, I'm the one tweeting. <laughs> I, 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 I still think you do have one burner account. I don't. I swear. Anyway, going back to your college days, like speaking of like college baseball in Virginia, so like Liberty was. I, I don't know if you I from what I remember when I went on my visit they were my first college visit with Liberty and they still had their old stadium but it, everything was under construction when I was up there and it was like they were building and building and building new things and so like going back like were you pretty set on going to Old Dominion were you like Virginia Tech Virginia Liberty um, like what was like what's like the vibe like with all the players do they like to stay in state or get out of yeah, I think a lot of Virginia talent stays in state just because there is, you know, there's a little bit of whatever you could ask for. You know, UVA has historically been one of the best programs in the country for the last decade plus. Um, and then, you know, like Virginia Tech's an ACC school that's just a, probably a, a tier or two below UVA. And then you have, you know, some mid-majors that are, you, you kind of have it all. Um, so, yeah, you know, I was never like, an absolute stud in, in high school. Like I, I probably, you know, unless you're throwing 95 out of high school, UVA is probably not going to be the answer. And, and I talked to them, but they weren't going to let me do both. Um, so yeah. And, you know, I actually, when I did end up at ODU played, I played at Liberty. Um, we played there every year. So the first year I played there was the old field. Um, but you could like, and then I ended up playing in at the new stadium and it's like, you get there and it's just like, this place has more money than they know what to do with. It's a it's like, cult, man. It's a cult. It's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> it is. Now what? does, uh, does old dominion have a, you gotta, you have to uh, give us some knowledge here. Cause we're just getting familiar with old dominion. We're, we're bought in on the team. We're, we're hyping them up all year. Cause we're both mid-major guys, but does old dominion have a rival? Like who's somebody that you just hated playing against or maybe there's something goes so, back deeper. I don't know. So when I was there, as I, I told you earlier, we were in the CAA at the time. So we, we, I never played in conference USA. Our ODU's first year in conference USA would have been my senior year, but I got drafted and left. Okay. So um, when I was there, we were huge rivals with uh, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth. Oh yeah. And that was our, our big rivalry and we, we just hated each other and it goes back to like the the basketball days um when odu and vc used to play each other in basketball all the time and it was you know just a good you know we're close they're in richmond we're in norfolk and it was a really good um they, they were good at the time so that that was our big rivalry but i don't know if they have one right now in conference usa i'd be interested you know they're like a few years into it so it's yeah. probably not I doubt there's like a huge rival right now. It might be Charlotte after yeah, they play eight games say. in a row against it's, each it's other. True. <laughs> I mean, true. you imagine playing the same team eight times in a row, like you're going to end up either loving the guys or hating them. So that's well, a good point. That's yeah. A good point. So, but that's going to be fun, man. Like 
Uh, it's really cool to see like mid-major teams ranked first of all, like Old Dominion, Charlotte, uh, Louisiana Tech, even Southern Miss. Like we've seen them ranked throughout the year. Um, I, do you think like the whole COVID, everybody gets a year back of eligibility, like really helps these mid-majors? Like put yourself in their shoes. Like if you were able to come back without losing a year of eligibility, how much better and how much more prepared would you be to play with like the big boys, like ACC schools, SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve? Yeah, I think it matters. Um, you know, before uh, before I ended up here at, at Fox, I had, uh, you know, I had like another podcast that I was just kind of doing with um, just kind of on my own. I had a co-host and, and we actually I had Coach Fenwood come on and then we talked a little bit about that, just this shutdown and what that was going to mean scholarship wise and how many guys you're planning on bringing back. And basically he he said as much as so, you know it, it does it does help us it, it gives our guys another year um you know of growth a lot of these other programs have guys that come in that are that are ready you know like yep. like they're guys and mid-major schools more so have guys but that have to evolve and like be, being at a mid-major school and more so like recruiting there it's more so about like projectability projectability and i think this guy could be good whereas the guy that's already good is going to go to you know an acc school or you know an sec school um so having an extra year of them to be able to to grow even more into the program and what you've been preaching for years um is huge so yeah that's why i think you're seeing a lot of these mid-major programs uh competing right now and it's been a blast to, to watch odu that's for sure yeah now have you ever made any trips to like omaha at all like to see the college world series nope unfortunately it's one of the events i really want to get to but i've never been to them all now if old dominion makes a trip this year you going you packing the bags and going one thousand <laughs> percent that's like that's like ask bro you, that i mean if somebody said i don't know man i might might i might try to make a game i slap them like dude you <laughs> but uh but like they're they're not far off if you think about it. Like if you if you think about like, did you ever play in any regionals or? Yeah, did you get like in that large or anything? No, the one year we would have, we were ineligible because the conference we left the CAA oh. and the CAA made us ineligible for the tournament. So the one year we were going to go in as a one seed, um, we weren't eligible, which sucks. no man. So yeah, um, going so I was like talking more on the college baseball side. We ask guys all the time, like. Do you do you follow the game like just in general like the top team? Do you watch college baseball when you get a chance to be more on like the big league side? Yeah, I mean I'm ninety percent big league side, but I you know I keep up with ODU. I watch whenever uh, Jack Leiter and and Kumar throw because um, that's must see TV. Yeah. Um, you know, and then other than that, if there's a if there's like a big um weekend matchup on espn i'll i'll turn into it turn into it now between uh we, we have to do the jack Leiter versus kumar rocker debate if you were i believe it's the pittsburgh pirates selecting one overall this year right if you were the gm of the pirates who are you taking one overall just through the eyeball test this is like no weight no credibility i don't want to get you fired from you know fox sports but like just like eyeball <laughs> test you've seen them both pitch this year who are you taking one overall one, I would hope no matter who I pick, it doesn't affect uh, me being fired at Fox Sports. Uh, <laughs> They're like, no, he said Kumar. He's done. <laughs> you know, I, honestly, look, it's become way closer. Before, I would have said 
uh, hands down Kumar, I think. Um, But seeing Jack throw this year is is incredible. I just think as of right now, I'd still go with Kumar just because of the the body and the Mm -hmm. size. And he just looks like a big league all-star out there on the mound. And not that Jack does. I mean, he's out there throwing, you know, mid of the 90s past guys. He looks great. He just, you know, Kumar's got like the whole look already. There's like no wrong answer to that question. I think think (laughs) what people are forgetting is like, We've seen Kumar for what two, three years now. Mm-hmm. We've he had like a track record. When you look at a guy, you try not to just get on the hype train because we've seen Jack Leiter, he's nasty, but we've only seen six weeks of him. We've seen what six, seven starts of him. I want to see Jack Leiter 10, 15, 20 start another year. I want to see what he does. I don't, he's not coming back. So I was hoping to see Jack Leiter two years in college baseball, two years yeah. in the SEC mm-hmm. because. Some guys, like you've seen it all the time, Gun- guys have a really good sophomore year or a freshman year, and they come back and they're not the same. They're not as good, whether it's the scouting reports, whether it's just they didn't improve as much as the hitters improved. And it's, so it's like, I think if I'm a team, I'm looking at Kumar Rocker saying this is more of the safe bet. Jack Leiter's more of the putting, I'm going to put my money on seven red. And if it hits, we look smart. If it doesn't hit, we look stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I guess. I agree. I yeah, agree. But but I, I think it's I think it's agreeable across like the college baseball world that those two guys are helping the sport grow so quickly. Like they're just building yeah. the hype on social media. They're fun to watch. And you know, the more college baseball fans we can get out of this, like, is the better. Because I really do think, and you can disagree if you want, but I think college baseball is on the rise as far as popularity, just from social media man you see all the bat flips and like the celebrations you see studs and now that the mlb draft is getting so big and teams like focusing on you know taking a a guy out of college rather than high school like you see a lot more exposure fans are more aware of what's going on so like do you think like college baseball is going to like continue this trajectory of like getting more and more popular i think so and and you're starting to see more um, national attention around it. And it, and it may just, you know, like myself personally, I'm, you know, baseball media has been the same for forever. It's mm-hmm. been a bunch of like, they won't evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bunch of 40 to 60 year old men that like are, you know, n- not for, you know, not to offend anybody, just in general. Um, it just seems like <laughs> in general, I love it how just you just seemed- said that. It seems like a lot of baseball media has just been stuck in its ways for so long. And the more it gets younger and more energetic and people focusing on, you know, the the younger, exciting, entertaining part of the game, I think it'll naturally evolve more into college. Because, look, I, I tweeted the other day about ODU um, and, and how often is, is national media tweeting about, you know, uh, a mid-major ranked team. Like, it doesn't happen. And, and the tweet, like did really well and it's like people people want like it yes to answer your question it's it's becoming bigger and the fact that there's now people in in media talking about it more and more um is 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 big for it i think yeah for sure and so uh before we get into the uh the weekend series pick them we're gonna take a little commercial break timer's running down i see it right here so um we do this with pretty much every guest because we can't ever get an interview within the free time frame so what we're gonna do is we're gonna send you a link Finish this thing up. Should be about 10, 15 more minutes. Okay. All right. Sounds good. You can do some research during this uh, little commercial break. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, we're back from our little commercial break, and uh, appreciate you guys for all your patience. Um, we're gonna do a little weekend pick'em. Uh, hold on, hold on. Before we here. get into that, I was okay. gonna say um, we, were, we were talking about off air during the commercial break. Um, going back to the whole college baseball and growing and growing the game and with big league. I wanted to ask your opinion on when guys like, just for example, Kumar and Jack Leiter, they might, we don't know for sure yet, they might be an exception to the stardom disappear into the the maze of minor league baseball and then reappearing at the big league stage. And there's got to be a way, like NBA is starting to try to create more of that seamless transition. NFL, Justin Field, um, Trevor Lawrence, they're going to be on the national stage from day one. They're going to be making an impact on their team. Big league, I don't know how much baseball you can remove that middle step. And I was going to ask you, like, how can we – because college baseball will grow piggybacking off the the big league. If a player is leaving and he's on a big league team making an impact from day one, they're going to watch the college game more because they know that could be their guy 18 months from now. Yeah, you know, that's that's kind of been something I've talked about a lot is, you know, where we lose that, you know, football is so different and really every other sport where, you know, you're watching that college sport and, you know, everybody in the world knows, okay, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson, okay, he's going to get drafted probably first overall. Okay, and then if if my favorite team drafts him, he gets to be my team's quarterback next Mm -hmm. year. And that's just not the case with baseball. So I think that's what makes it a little tough to for people to follow college baseball is that, look, if, if I'm a fan of, of the Pirates and I'm watching Vanderbilt and then we draft Kumar or Jack or whoever it's going to be, I won't see him for at minimum a year and a half. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I think we're starting, I think we're going to start to see that a little less, but it's something I, I – talk about on on my podcast with Fox is every guest I have on. Um, and this is my fourth one just came out. I've had Tyler Glass now, Jeff McNeil, um, Reese Hoskins and Royce Lewis. Uh, oh, and Trey Mancini. And every single one I asked them, hey, what like what was an experience in, in the minor leagues like? Because baseball is so unique in that every single person goes through the minor leagues and grinds and grinds and grinds. Um, so I'm always very interested to hear that. But I think now that they've cut so many teams, I think we're going to start seeing trips through the minors a little uh, shorter. You know, there's not I, – I, my first team was the Connecticut Tigers and short season A ball, and that's not even a team anymore. So I think we're going to start seeing guys get drafted, going straight to high A maybe and, and being in the think, big league. But, but do you maybe. think – do you do you think we sometimes underestimate the player's talent or ability to make that jump faster? I think there's and and look, I was I was in the Tigers organization and it's very old school and and it's thinking and and baseball for a while has been. Look, if I'm you know you see these guys coming up, these um, you know like these. Uh, Latino players coming like up Acuna and, for uh, a great example. Exactly. And, and he's, he's an established big leaguer by the time he's 20, 21, 22. And it's like these guys coming out of college. It's like teams can't realize that these guys are also 21, 22, mm-hmm. 23 and have played baseball at a high level. 
Um, and it's like, you know, oh, no, we need to groom him first. Well, look, a lot of these guys are ready. Um, and I think there's certain organizations that are now starting to bring guys a little uh, along a little faster. Um, but for, for the most part, like you said, it's just a lot of organizations can't seem to get past you, like that hump of like, okay, we need, this guy needs to come along for a few so years. My last thing on that, let me ask you this. So you, we're getting into this analytic analytical age of college baseball. Could you imagine if the computer told a big league GM or a scouting director, cross check or whatever said, Hey, listen, if the computer, the number said this college player is ready for the big league now. Do you think they're going to say we trust the computers like we trust everything else? We're bringing them to the big leagues now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, imagine we if saw a little bit of that. Had... We saw a little bit of that with Garrett Crochet last year with the White Sox. Yeah. Straight from if Tennessee. If the computer told these teams, these guys are ready now, I think that gets rid of the stigma of grooming, like you said. I think we're, I think the more, you know, analytics has been something that, you know, started. A couple, uh, you know, it really became big a few years ago, and it started with, you know, like the Rays, and they were doing things differently. And then, look, the Rays payroll is minuscule, but they're really good. Yeah. Let's do what they're doing, and they grabbed on in the major leagues. And now we're starting to see it shift into college. And the the more analytics we see, look, numbers don't lie. And if mm -hmm. a guy's spin rate on his on his curveball is a certain number, you know where that plays. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so having like having like game track and everything in college stadiums is going to be huge for college guys, I think, because, look, I can look I can watch you pitch. I can be a professional scout, watch you pitch, get the numbers on you and say, OK, the big league average on this pitch is X. His is pretty much there. OK, let's you know, we'd love to have him. And, you know, hopefully um, he has success for a little while in the minor leagues and then we can bring him up. Um, yeah. But like numbers don't lie, man. There's no way around it. Yeah, exactly. No, no. You bring up a really good point there. Like anytime that you can just match like statistical data going back like That's 10 years saying. or whatever, like the longer it goes, I think the faster these guys are going to be fast tracked to the big leagues. But uh, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see. I think baseball is in a good place right now for that. Um, yeah. But let's go ahead and get started on this weekend series pick them. I'm going to start with the Florida State at Georgia Tech series here. Um, little so ACC action. In, I was going oh, to say before we get in, no pressure to you before we get any picks. Our guests have been doing better than us for the all, last every week, three, four, maybe all damn season. And like They've we're not even doing better than us. We're not. We know too much. We know way too much, and like that's what hurts us. So <laughs> if, you, if you just fade our picks, you'll be in a good spot. Um, but it's going to be Age five series. Who's going to win the series? There's one series that's four four games, so you could technically pick split, kind of like what Chris Burke and Dimitri did last week with um, Southern Miss and Southern Miss Louisiana, Louisiana Tech. Tech. Yeah, so we're gonna start with Florida State at Georgia Tech, battle of two ACC teams who I would still say like even though they're having good years, they're underachieving um, talent wise. I think they're there, both of them, but they've been really inconsistent. Georgia Tech's a little young. Um, Florida State, we had one of our favorite guests we've had on Matt Nelson from there. He's a stud potentially could win the golden spikes. You know, he's a catcher for Florida state and he has like, he's leading the ACC and like home runs, RBIs and all that fun stuff. So I'm going to go and pick. You told me last night you were picking last. Okay. You're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Short-term memory. Try to help you out here, dude. I always pick first and I always get screwed over. So that's my excuse. So, 
I've been pick. I've always been picking last, and I'm I'm always against everybody picking the same team because it's an automatic L every time. Mm-hmm. When you watch yeah. game day and you see Corso pick the same team as Herb Street and everybody else, just like, dude, fade the public yeah. immediately. Anyway, Florida State, Georgia Tech, at Georgia Tech, Ben. We've always well. When I say Ben, I I guess I don't know who I'm talking to. Um, You're talking to both of us. You're good. Uh, <laughs> Georgia Tech, we we kind of got on the hype train a little quick, thinking like, oh shit, these guys are good. Um, but dude, they're really not that good of a team, man. They don't they they just don't have that it factor, and you know what I mean. So when I when I look at a team, I like to see somebody in the bullpen that could just win the game on their own, or a guy that can change. They don't have that, and I think Florida State just got a little more of that prestige. So I'm going with the Noles. All right, I'll go second. Um... I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take Florida State as well, and I I hate this pick so much because Florida State's let me down twice already this year. But I'm going with our boy Matt Nelson. You know I think the Florida State cinnamon rolls are doing all right for for now. They always get hot in April and May, so give me Florida State two out of three on the road. Well, you just talked about how you don't want the three of us <laughs> all picking up. the same, but I I, w- I am also going with Florida State. Look, the you Georgia bastard. Tech is 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 young and it's like they don't they're decent they're they're a good team but they don't know like how to win at home yet they're they're under 500 at home and there's there's something to be said for that um you know i I remember playing at odu like finney came in my sophomore year and just drilled it in us how important home field advantage is and how important it is protecting your home um and they just they don't do that so so i'm going florida state Let's go. We're all riding and dying together. Um, next series here. Did we ever figure out if it's at Liberty or at Coastal? Ben, dude, I told you it's at Coastal. I want it, you to look it up right Myrtle. now. I'll look it up right now. Look it up right now. But anyways, Coastal Carolina and Liberty are playing against each other. Now, Liberty, we have ranked 25th in the nation for obvious reasons. They're like 26 and 8. Now, they just lost to um, Duke in the midweek. And I don't know. I, I think the way that I'm going with this pick, because I'm picking second, actually, let me Dude, take a step back. I'm so I, used to going first. I'm taking a step back. You go ahead. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Do you want to know where they're playing? I would love I'm to. About to. I'm about to get crucified. I'm about to get crucified for this. Please tell it me. Is pl- at, it is at Liberty. That's what I thought. I had it written down in my notes. It's at Liberty. I don't know how my calculation missed it it is yeah. at liberty i take the blame i take full responsibility for seeing wrong <laughs> as on this. you should um anyway so going back liberty is five and two against the acc they pretty much dominated everybody i mean their conference this is a little out of conference weekend um their former big south rivalries i don't know if you guys remember mm-hmm. liberty and coastal were playing for the big south title every year it was mm-hmm. a matter of Liberty or Coastal was making getting that automatic bid. So there's some bad blood there. They've always played really well against each other. Um, I think Liberty this year, it's just a, they've just been a little more consistent. Coastal got slammed with COVID guys, and we both know, we talked about it last night, co- the COVID thing is hard to recover from. We saw it in the NFL, mm-hmm. guys just having a slow recovery coming back from it. So Coastal is going to be pretty good um, going forward, and we both know we all know how they are in the postseason. They're really good, but I just think Liberty they they've got a lefty in the bullpen um, who's like ninety four, ninety five, 
draft guys are drooling over him. They call him like the left-handed or the younger version of Chris Sale. 94, 95, three-quarter slot nasty. And I think, like I said before, bullpen matters when it comes to the big rivalry weekend. And um, with that, I'm going with the flame. Okay. Well, I'm glad you did that because the way I'm looking at this is recency bias. I know Liberty has had a really good year up to this point. We have them ranked. But if you look at just what happened on Tuesday, and this is solely what I'm basing it off of, I'm going to keep it very simple here. Coastal wins a big game at North Carolina. Liberty loses a game at home against Duke. I'm taking Coastal Carolina to win this series. I think the Chanticleers are about to get hot, make a big postseason push, because like we talked about yesterday, their RPI is nowhere close to where it needs to be to make a postseason at large. Uh, I'm taking Liberty here. Um, I think they've been playing very well for for the better part of the year. Yeah, tough loss to Duke, but look, um, look, they they uh, they they they've just been playing better. The Chanticleers uh, have struggled throughout the year. It just I, I don't know. I, I look at their schedule and it's kind of, you know, it's there's weak. no consistency. It's really they'll, weak. They'll yeah. lose to a, a terrible team. They don't they don't play anybody. Yeah, great win against UNC. Look, and that could build some <laughs> confidence. And look, yeah. maybe. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I just look at their schedule and I'm not like, wow, this this team's good. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, okay. So the third series here, we have a little West Coast action. Now this this plays big in the Pac-12 um, rank, rankings, like the standings there in the Pac-12 because um, the Pac-12 doesn't play a tournament, like an end-of-the-season tournament. So the winner of the Pac-12 regular season is the champion. And so we have UCLA at Oregon. Now, UCLA came in ranked top five in every college baseball media outlet rankings, and there's too many of those to begin with, but that's a different story. But everybody was high on UCLA all year. Oregon has really come up and been that, like, Pac-12 favorite after winning um, pretty much every series this year. Now, it's at Oregon. I'm going to let Dimitri take over here because I almost made another pick, but uh, I'm I'm going to pick second. (laughs) I'm going to pick second. You need to have some confidence in your picks because – in weeks past, and I'm going to clown on you here. In weeks past, you would say, like, hey, I like their Nike cleats. I'm going with this team. And it didn't work out very well for I you. Never said actually, you know what? I take that back. You're I've, one up I've, on me. You're one up on me. In the, I'm beating I'm, you in the standings. And by I'm, one game. And this, I've the, never this, said the words because of their Nike cleats. Okay, dude. <laughs> you get my point. Anyway, Oregon State's got is, is leading the Pac-12 by half the game. Oregon has taken five out of their six games against Oregon State this year. One conference, one non-conference series. Um, UCLA and Oregon, they trail. They are separated by half a game. Um, UCLA is one game out of first place. We talk about it all the time. We bitch about it all the time, how UCLA is a roller coaster ride. They'll take, they'll sweep the worst team in the country or the best team in the country. They'll lose two out of three to a Utah or something. And you're just like, dude, how the hell did that happen? San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco, first yeah, weekend. Yep, yep. The um, Dons. So UCLA, they're still trying to figure out that consistency. They're trying to figure out that team identity because once you realize who you are as a team, it makes it so much easier to focus on those things as a team, whether we're going to put energy into pitching and defense, whatever the case may be. Oregon's got a little bit of that swag. They've got that – they can rake. Sometimes they shove. Their pitchers have a high ceiling in terms of just how good they can be. Um, but to the pick, 
UCLA, dude, I swear to God, this, this is going to piss me off because I've taken, I have faded Oregon the last two weekends, the last two times they've been on our pick and I've lost. Do I fade them again? Go with the I'm, gut. I'm, go, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with UCLA. And I uh, hate myself for this. All right. So uh, I'm glad you did that because is so Ben, we, uh, we kind of hate UCLA and Florida this year just because they've made us look bad so many times. Like they've been hyped up all year coming into the season and they've just totally just took a big dump on us. Yeah. Like over and over again. So what I did last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I picked Florida to win the series thinking, okay, if they win, then that's good. Cause then I get a game up on the standings. If they lose like whatever, like I'm glad they lost. They, right. they deserve to lose. So I might take that same approach here. But like this series is such a toss up to me. It's kind of like the new kids on the block versus the, you know, the salty vets. Every time that happens, I'm going to take the salty vet every time. I'm going to take UCLA here, hoping that they lose. Why? Um, Why because do that? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they lose, but I'm going to pick them to win just in case, just so I can have something to celebrate. I'm going to go Oregon here. Um, you know, like you said, I, one salty vets against the new kids on the block. I always want to go new kids on the block, but it ends up biting me in the ass more times than not. But look, they're they're good and and they're playing at home, uh, I believe, right? It's at Oregon. Yep, it is. It's at Oregon. And I just think, you know, I don't know, man. Just the new kids and and having having that energy, being at home and having, you know, just being. There's there's something to be said for being at home, and and I'm gonna take them to to take this series at home. Yeah, that's probably a smart pick right there because when me and Demetri yeah, agree on something, it never it never works. Um, so going to the next series here, this is by far the biggest series of the weekend. Mississippi State at Vanderbilt. Uh, I mean, we talked about it. We broke down yesterday recording the podcast, everything about this series. And when I woke up today, I completely doubted everything I said. You know, I said this game's <laughs> going to be one in the first four innings. Some team's going to put up a big crooked number and just keep that momentum. Um, for each game. Now, I'm going to let Dimitri go because I'm, I'm tossing it up because I'm, I'm, it's going to be a blindfolded pick for me because I think these two teams are very evenly matched. Now, obviously, Vanderbilt has the upper hand with having the number one and number two overall picks throwing back-to-back days. But, man, I could just see this going anyway. Anyway. Oh, Ben, I don't know if you noticed this. I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. Vanderbilt is allowing is, or giving is like their opponent batting average is under 200 with runner, <laughs> under 100 with runners in scoring position. So oh basically, they are not giving up a hit when they're when a you know inning is on the line. Runners yeah, in scoring and that position. makes sense because we've seen them give up quite a few home runs this year. They're, but they're giving up more home runs, like solo giving, home runs. Yep, and that's I mean, that's how you're going to beat Verlander and Kumar because they're Verlander. not going to give up. I mean, uh. <laughs> Lighter. I'm taking the mound for him this week. <laughs> uh, damn, I don't. That, damn, I don't know how I did that. Anyway, <laughs> they're not going to give up three, four, five hits in a row. They're just too good for that. And so when you're going to beat them, it's got to be a double in the gap, and then you know another base hit to get or a home run to score. Vanderbilt and Mississippi State are also both, I think, top five in the country in allowing stolen bases. You do not steal on them. 
Mm-hmm. Both have uh, unbelievable catchers. Yeah, they're both unbelievable. So you're you're gonna you're not gonna see very many walk turned into doubles and singles turned into doubles. It's just very unlikely. Mississippi State bullpen is electric. I don't know if you know, but Landon Sim is probably one of the best, if not the best, closer in the country. Freshman or second, I guess, COVID freshman. Vanderbilt, I think I'm going to give Vanderbilt's lineup, their offense, the advantage here. And same thing with the Arkansas-Mississippi State series. I went with the team that had the better offense, the team that can win the big moment. And, dude, I just think – I just think – I, I don't see Kumar or Jack Leiter having another bad outing. We all said – we said they were going to have their one, and I think it's, they've gotten it out of the way for the next rest of the regular season. So I'm going with Vanderbilt here. Okay. So uh, I've already gone with three road teams. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, like, my brain is torn 50-50 because, like, <laughs> I said it yesterday, like, my heart says Vanderbilt. Like, it should, they should win this series two out of three, but my brain is saying Mississippi State. And, like, I'm just talking myself into the Bulldogs. Go with your they're brain. I know, with they're, your brain. I know they're playing away from home, and they have one of the best home field advantages in college baseball, if not the best. It's going to be a real test for Mississippi State here. But I think there's just something about this team. They're scrappy enough. They're going to be up for the test. I think this series means more to Mississippi State than it does Vanderbilt. And I'm going to go with my brain. I'm going to take Mississippi State. I'm going to continue to ride these road dogs, man. Give me Mississippi State. Uh, Look, I think when it comes to, like, big-time matchups and big-time baseball, that that pitching wins. And you see it in the the playoffs and, and the major leagues. Pitching wins in the playoffs, and, and this series is going to have a playoff, you know, sort of a postseason feel to it. And look, I'm I'm ten times out of ten going to go with uh, Kumar and Jack and and Verlander, according to Dimitri. So uh, give me give me Vandito. Dude, is that not the best rotation in the country? <laughs> <laughs> give me give me Vandy. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Okay. That makes me feel better about my pick then, because. But anyway, so the last series here, and we already know kind of where you're going to stray with this one. But here we go. This one does have the option of a split. You can pick a 2-2 split, um, but it's going to be ODU versus Charlotte. Now, kind of breaking down each one of these teams, Charlotte, a lot of you know JUCO guys, older guys in the lineup, someone that kind of came out of nowhere before the season. Nobody had them finishing in the top of the Conference USA. But these are two teams that I think are locks for the postseason already, no matter how they finish out the regular season. Like, they both shown that they can play at a high level. They win a lot of games. Dimitri, go ahead and take over from here. I know who I'm picking, though. Oh, two weeks ago, D1 Baseball put OD, uh, Old Dominion and Charlotte in the top 25. And I and I talked about it a little bit. I broke it down. I, was, I thought it was a little premature to – I mean, Old Dominion hasn't played a very tough schedule. They have, like – I think they're one and one against the ACC this year. They split – their two games um they or it was east carolina they, i think they beat east carolina in a midweek mm-hmm. so that is the signature win and if you're gonna try to find that one win where you're like but i don't think old dominion has played that tough of a schedule charlotte on the other hand hasn't really done a whole lot i mean ben three weeks ago they were on a seven game losing streak yeah. and all of a sudden they started winning games and now they're in the top. i just thought why not wait let these teams battle it out for a straight game and then pick the best team based on what you see. I thought it was a little premature. I'm not sold on Old Dominion yet. Their numbers 
they're shoving on the mound. They're they're absolutely dominating. Um, I just I'm just not bought on them, and I think so. I'm gonna I, I'm going with Charlotte three out of four this weekend. Okay, no, so you're taking Charlotte three out of four. Okay, now so the the stats that I like really looked forward to when I was doing research was, you know, we've talked about home field advantage and everything like that. And, you know, the strength of schedule isn't quite there for Old Dominion, but this team is 11 and one on the road. They're, they're a team that has proven that they can win on the road. They can come up to any occasion possible that sure they haven't played that tough of a schedule, but just to be, what are they? They're 27 and seven this year. Like that's, that's very impressive. What I'm going to take from this series is I think it's going to be good for the mid majors all across America to see both teams ranked. I know Dimitri disagrees, but. This is going to be big, and the doubleheader style. When you have, it's hard. Yeah, to 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 sweep a doubleheader once is crazy. To sweep a doubleheader twice is even crazier. So, like, I think this game is going to be evenly matched. I'm going to take a two-two split here. I think both teams, um, you know, split each doubleheader. One on Friday, one on Sunday. I'm going. I, I if if Old Dominion wasn't eleven and one on the road, I would say Charlotte three out of four here. But I'm taking the two-two split. I think the the Monarchs are able to uh, come away with two wins. Here's why y'all are wrong. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Let it Let's rumble. Go. Let's go. I'm gonna take the fighting Ben Verlanders to yeah. win this series down in Charlotte. The Monarchs. Yeah. Um, look, ODU's roster is look. They, their strength of schedule may not be what you want it to be out of a ranked team, but look, they're 27 and seven. Their pitching staff is good and their offense is putting up insane numbers. So I think when you look at these two teams, you have one team that is surprising. Um, I think they're, they're surprising to be where they are. Uh, they went on a, a seven game losing streak and now they're playing well. Um, and I think it's surprising to see them here. And then you have ODU that just has a complete roster that the reason I think they're not higher is because they haven't played anybody. Yeah. You know, they, they don't have that win that you can say, this is a top 15 team. This is exactly. Team. I, that's a great point. Like they they're at this position right now and they've played a weak schedule. Like that shows how good their roster is, like how talented they are. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, they, they're just coming off a big series win against, rice and i think you know i think they're gonna win and i would pick them to win all four games um but like you said double headers are tough man mm-hmm. they are so tough to win both games and i think uh i think they'll probably split the first two and i think ODU is going to take both of the both of the last two um yeah. they're just a really good team man and and i'm excited for uh, kind of a, a marquee. The the I, I'm excited for the country to to see more and more of them. But you no, know what? I agree. So you know what the really shitty part about this whole thing is? We've got two ranked teams who every a lot of people are very high on, and you have to pay. I don't know how much Conference USA TV is, but it's like ten fifteen dollars. I'm like, you've got. I, I'm pretty sure this series is on Conference USA no, TV. I want to or say I, this one's actually on ESPN Plus. It, I'll, it, have it, to, it, I'll have to double check it. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna pull it up right now because that is a travesty if you cannot have let allow people to watch these games because that's part that's the part of growing it like letting people on their own time get to watch these games. Um, yeah, 
if it's on ESPN three, awesome. You got but you still have in. to technically pay for that too, but 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 <laughs> you're paying for ESPN three. You get to watch everything else. Yeah, not just that's true. right. There's a lot more people that pay for ESPN plus than mm-hmm. Conference USA TV. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Who's gonna pay for conference? Like just uh. So all right, what tomorrow? I want to look at tomorrow's schedule. Um, While you're looking that up, um, but pretty much we got to wrap up the show pretty soon. But uh, Ben, man, this is fun. I'm going to shout out your Twitch uh, channel. It's just Ben Verlander. We already shouted out once. Follow you on Twitter. Man, we really appreciate you doing this. Um, I'm going to check out your podcast sometime. When do you post your podcast? Like, when do they come out? Yeah, it comes out every Tuesday. Um, so this week, the one that just came out this Tuesday was uh, Jeff McNeil of the Mets. And then next week is Reese Hoskins and got some really cool guests checking out coming yeah. up. So, yeah, definitely – Definitely check that out. Um, it's kind of my, you know, it's a it's a big thing I'm doing here, getting underway with Fox, and, and it means a lot to me. And and it's a, it has a similar feel to what what you guys do, man. Just meant, but from the, a major league perspective, just like yeah. a laid back having a conversation with some of the best in the game. But the whole point is for it to feel kind of like a locker room uh, type conversation. I'm sitting next to you in a locker room, and we're just you know just hanging out, and and it's been an absolute blast. So yeah, flipping bats uh anywhere you get podcasts and it also has also uh, social media handles as well if you nice. want to follow yeah them. we'll definitely get you a follow there now um trivia question for you do you know where reese hoskins went to college yes um oh shoot mid-major yeah i know in california right yeah yeah they're the hornets what I, i'm not gonna remember sacramento Back. state sacramento <laughs> state yeah yeah we're uh we're not Go ahead. When I had him on the other day, I was doing, um, I was just doing some research and and saw that. And yeah, always, always love when a good mid-major guy has success. No, for sure. But man, we appreciate having you on. If you ever need anything from us, let us know, but we're definitely going to check out your podcast. And uh, we just think it's good for the the game of baseball to have these like get to know people conversations, locker room talk, as you call it. So I'm definitely going to be a big fan of that podcast. I can already tell, but awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on. Seriously, this is fun. Yep. Go Monarchs. Come on, Arch, baby.